What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I know I won because, like myself, there was a larger number that continually grows of officers who want someone to speak out on things that concern them, whether it's city politics or department policies, and you can branch out many different ways from there. The Lodge has progressively, seems to have gotten quieter at a time when it needed to become louder. everybody, I'm Fran Spielman, and with us today is the new president of the Fraternal Order of Police, John Cottonzera. John, congratulations and welcome. Thanks, Fran. Good morning. How have you been spending the quarantine, both before and after your election? <laughs> well, before the election, it was trying to get as many votes as possible uh, with the rules in place. Uh, Post-election has pretty much been digging through a pile of uh, paperwork and obviously things the president needs to know to try and get this lodge moving in a forward direction as opposed to kind of standing in place that it's been at, it seems. Now, you got 55% of the vote in a runoff union election to defeat incumbent FOP President Kevin Graham. Why do you think you won? Uh, I'm, I know I won because, like myself, there was a larger number that continually grows of officers who want someone to speak out on things that concern them, whether it's city politics or department policies, and you can branch out many different ways from there. The Lodge has progressively, seems to have gotten quieter at a time when it needed to have become louder. And, you know, the members, I've been complaining about this for a long time myself. Now I have thousands of members who finally are joining the call for obviously a louder voice, a more forceful voice. And I'm the person. Louder about what? Fair treatment. Uh, stop blaming the police for everything. There's a major gap in society for personal accountability that nobody seems to ever want to talk about. It's just easy to point the finger at somebody else instead of yourself. You know, it's just, I talked to chief or superintendent Brown the other last week and, you know, during our discussions, 
his desire to keep the Myrtle total under 300 came up and you know, it's a noble quest. It really is. I mean, I don't know anybody who would say they wouldn't want less than 300 murders. Is it realistic? Probably not. But again, you have to set a goal and you got to aim for it. Getting close will be a, a feat in itself. But as I told them, if you doubled the police force to New York City numbers of 25,000 or 30,000 officers, there are still going to be people in the city who are going to pick up a gun. They're going to sell drugs. They're going to shoot each other. They're not going to care who's standing around when they do it. And you're still going to have a large number of homicides. It's just going to happen. And many of the same people who like to point fingers at the police department for being the problem within this city are the ones who will not point the fingers at the very people doing it. These aren't aliens coming down from space committing these crimes. These are people in the neighborhoods. These are kids in the neighborhoods as young as 11, 12 years old, sometimes even younger on very crazy rare occasions. But at the end of the night, they're putting your head down on a pillow in someone's house who's looking the other way. They're not asking where that $300 on the table came from or how did you pay you know, the cable bill when they're struggling. Again, that or that's where it needs to start. Until that dynamic changes, no amount of police is ever going to stop uh, 300 or more. It's just not. When you say personal accountability, personal accountability by whom? Parents. Uh, this goes right back to households. Um, you know, forever, we've heard about single parent households and the effects it has. And there's study after study, especially about not having a father figure in the house. And this isn't, you know, certain fractions like to parlay that into saying, well, you know, the police are locking up all the fathers. Well, if they're committing crimes, they're going to get locked up. It's not the police's fault for enforcing the laws. Politicians make the laws. If they want to let everybody out of jail, well, then you know what? Get rid of the laws that allow us to lock people up. And then they wouldn't have the ability to be in jail, correct? But you know, once we enact laws, now they're trying to find ways to let people out of jail for committing the crimes that they enacted. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So you think that parents need to start holding their young people accountable and that the mayor should demand it? What, what should happen here on the personal accountability well, front? Oh, I believe it. Absolutely. It has to come from the mayor. You know, I, I'm just very frank here. I, I even told the superintendent, I said, you know, even as a man and a, and a black man at that, you are now considered the police for you to even approach that subject. You would be considered a sellout or you're, you're part of the police. You're taking the police aside. So even his credibility on that issue would be called into question. The only person that can make that you know, argument at this point with any effective uh, results would be the mayor. And mayors in this city have obviously avoided that at all costs. You know, Rahm Emanuel made a slight attempt at it on one occasion, and that was it. But I know they consider it a third rail because they're deadly afraid of the results of basically telling people, You're, you need to look in the mirror. This is on you. Quit blaming everybody else. So you would like to see the mayor do what? I would like the mayor to obviously bargain in good faith sooner rather than later, uh, sit down and let's get the ball rolling so my members can get a fair contract going forward and stop blaming the police for every little thing that goes wrong in this city. You know, we are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. No human being is. So will there be still incidents that the media will highlight? Sure. You know, 
and we'll deal with them as they come along. But my job as the president is to defend every member and protect them from losing their job or going to jail, no matter what. That's what we are supposed to do. That's what I am going to do. And we are going to present, obviously, a fight to make that a reality for our members on a level that they've never seen before. Uh, it's just what we're supposed to do as a union. Whether people like it or not or understand it or not is not my concern. That's what the union is supposed to do for its members. You know, above and beyond but that, on the I personal would wish- a pers- on the personal accountability front, what would you like to see the mayor use her bully pulpit to do? To start uh, basically changing the dialogue and having it put back on individual people in the neighborhoods, the parents. What are you doing? Are, are you sitting there like a zombie on your phone while your kids are just doing whatever they do? And, and it's no mystery why they feel detached, unwanted unconnected and they go out and seek connections to other people, the wrong groups out in the city or in neighborhoods. And the, the, the cycle just continues over and over again. Now, why is it that police officers seem to change union presidents almost as often as they change their socks? I mean, is it only because they've been waiting three years for a contract and a pay raise? I mean, I, I think there's was very specific reasons why the last three presidents did not get reelected. You know, prior to that, we did have a three term president, which is the max allowed. So it's not like it's never happened. You know, we, we've had many long term presidents which enacted the three term limit. But there, the, prior to that, there was even guys, you know, 15, 20 years. John Deneen is a legend as far as FOP union politics is concerned. He was our national, he was a national president of the FOP at 1.2. So again, I think there was very specific reasons why the last three presidents did not get elected. Uh, I would like to hopefully break that trend, but I'm going to give the members every reason to not continue it. Under Kevin Graham, the demand was for 18% over three years. Tired of waiting, the board voted to take the contract to arbitration. Are those your demands, and how do you plan to handle it? Well, unfortunately, my numbers would have been higher for sure. Uh, Because that demand has already been made, the attorneys have already told me I cannot increase that number without it ending up being an unfair labor practice complaint with the city. So we're kind of locked into that initial request. There's some things we're going to try and do around it to increase the benefits going forward, but I was very explicit with Winter Jackson, who is the head of human resources and basically the chief negotiator for the police department, that our desire is to, I shouldn't say our desire, what we're doing going forward, and she is aware of this, and so is the city's attorneys, that we are going back to the negotiating table. The demand for our will still remain in place with the labor board, but that our request initially for arbitrator Ben was denied by the city. And then the second request was for arbitrator Ramel, which the city never responded one way or the other. He is currently in the process of finishing up the sergeant's arbitration. I notified them that we're, that we're withdrawing our request for Ramel and we want to go back to the negotiating table and see what we can get done as a new regime, a fresh approach and some new voices. And so you are going to demand what 
to get around the 18% that you're locked into? What are you going to ask for by, to compensate for the fact that you can't raise that number? Well, now, if I was going to negotiate in the press, <laughs> you'll be the first to know, but that's not going to happen. All right. Well, in one of her many interviews on the run-up to her one-year anniversary in office, Mayor Lightfoot recalled how you used to sit in the front row of police board meetings she chaired as president, and that everything about your demeanor, her words, said you'd like to be provocative. What did she mean by that, and how are you going to forge a relationship with her? Well, it's funny that so many people interpret my public comment speakings as provocative when all they seemed to focus on was possibly the style instead of the substance. There was a lot of substance that was delivered, including when she was the police board chairman and or president. And all the substance that was delivered then and subsequently after that has always been ignored. I've given example after example of hypocrisy and wrong conduct within the upper ranks and brass of the Chicago Police Department that absolutely nothing has been acted on at all. It has always been ignored, including when she was in charge of doing something about it at the police board. And now you could even argue as in charge of the police department in general as the mayor. Uh, and in charge of everything. And still, nothing's been accomplished. I literally highlighted several times at city council the whole Eddie Johnson thing. And people can argue what they want, but the simple fact is, halfway through that march, when he joined arm in arm, he was no longer the superintendent. He was a protester. He was participating in that march, whatever you want to call it, a protest, a march for uh, rights, I don't care. But at that point, he was in violation of state law. There's no other way to slice it. And nothing got done by that. He obviously left in disgrace as it was. But the subsequent fallout from that was a police commander deleted the report that I generated against Eddie Johnson. Deleted a report from the system as if it never existed, my report initially. And that guy is still in command in a district calling the shots in this department. And nobody has picked up that story for almost two years now. It's disgraceful that some people, and if it hurts your feelings, tough luck, but if some people call themselves journalists and they want to harp on my delivery as opposed to what I said, and nobody has ever picked up that ball and did anything with it. Okay, let's talk about what this is. Now, you're referring to the, the time when Eddie Johnson marched arm in arm down the Dan Ryan with Father Flager, and you filed a complaint against him and you were suspended. And that was I, one of 50 times, I think, when you were accused of misconduct over the years. Why are you always being accused of misconduct? What is it about you? And why is that? Well, I mean, you're stripped 50, of your police powers right now. Specific to the case report that I generated against Eddie Johnson and the commander who then subsequently deleted the report out of the system for official misconduct. Again, those are the two case reports that I've been stripped of my police powers because I had listed myself as beat 801, which would be considered the 8th District's desk sergeant. Again, the report system will not take anything in the computer system without putting a beat number on it. I was done for work for the day, so I just put a beat number, the first one that came to mind. It wouldn't have mattered what beat number I put on there because technically I wasn't working at the time. The first report was generated seven minutes after I got off of work. So whatever I put in there, they're going to tell me you weren't working that day. It was a technicality. 
it it glossed over the whole fact of what the report was about to begin with and it was solely designed to try and shut me up as they've repeatedly done every time i've called out wrongdoing you talk about the 50 complaints if you look at those 50 complaints i assure you i would venture a guess of 30 to 35 of them were interdepartment obviously violations and complaint numbers they are not citizen complaints. I have not. I'm not accused of being out there wrongfully locking people up or beating the hell out of people. That's never been who I am. I've never been accused of it um, any more than the next guy. So it's easy to highlight that 50 number. But again, it's because I refuse to just shut up with the hypocrisy with this in the department. It has been the good old boys network of do as I say and not as I do. The higher you go up in rank the more flexibility you have to do whatever the heck you want. And there's no repercussions for your behaviors. That's just the way it's always been. And I've always had a problem with it and I will continue to speak out against it as long as I have breath in my lungs. In August, 2008, then superintendent Jody Weiss, uh, or Reese rather, uh, tried to fire you because you didn't follow orders to complete a psychological exam and the board cleared you in that case. Three years later, Superintendent Gary McCarthy tried to fire you for working a side job as a security guard for a restaurant. And again, uh, instead of firing you, the board voted to suspend you. And then there was the infamous case with the, uh, the reprimand that you got for violating rules that prohibit police officers from participating in any partisan political campaign when you were posting a photo of yourself on Facebook uh, in an apparent protest against the NFL players who refused to kneel for the national anthem. Why all those? What is it about you? I mean, you're just you're just not going to shut up, I guess. Right. You, well, you speak I'm, your I'm, mind. Not gonna, I'm not going to shut up. I am in a unique situation for a while now where, you know, I, I have my 20 years on, I'm old enough to collect a pension tomorrow. I could leave this job tomorrow right off into the sunset and go enjoy retirement. They've never been able to scare me. I have always kept my CDL driver's license. I have on occasion when they've, you know, tried to take a paycheck out of my pocket. I've gone back to driving a truck to keep a paycheck in my pocket. I am not scared of speaking my mind. Well, I understand many different officers are in different situations, why they can't speak out, why they don't speak out, but don't believe for a second that a large majority of the police department, the men and women, don't think a lot of the things that I say. They just don't speak them. And now they have someone who will speak them. I've been doing it. And, you know, obviously I've had a little niche of people who understood who I was. They may have, again, like many people, misinterpreted my delivery instead of my content. But I think the law limited department now understand that I do know how to make an argument. You highlighted the police board case in 2013 where I was suspended instead of fired. The fact of that case is there was actually two different CR numbers that were both considered fireable offenses by the department that they were going to try and fire me over. They combined them both and held them under one hearing. I was my own attorney in that hearing. I represented myself. I made my own arguments. And yet here I am still sitting at this desk. They weren't able to fire me. And even the 20 days, I could have theoretically appealed and should have because they really had no case. It was a, definitely a, a a play on words as far as the department is concerned about working at that restaurant that day and what was considered working and the whole situation behind it. But again, at that point, I was without a paycheck for 
almost 10 months. So I took the 20 days, went back to work and just let it go at that. But again, I know how to make an argument. I know how to make a point and calmly and effectively, obviously, which I did at the police board. Mayor Lightfoot co-chaired the task force on police accountability, whose indictment of the police department prompted the Justice Department to do the same after the federal investigation triggered by the police shooting of Laquan McDonald. The task force demanded changes to the police contract that it claimed codifies the code of silence. The Black Caucus has even recently renewed its threat to hold up ratification of any police contract that continues to make it, as they put it, easier for officers to lie by giving them 24 hours before providing a statement after a shooting and includes impediments to accountability that prohibit anonymous complaints and allow officers to change their statements after reviewing video. What do you think of these demands by the Black Caucus? And what changes are you willing to make in the discipline area? Oh, I'm willing to make changes to the 24-hour, you know, uh, timeline to give a statement. It's not the time. It's not the change they want because I want to change it from 24 to 72 hours, three days, like the federal agents get when they're involved in a shooting. We get the least amount, uh, and I wish they would understand that dynamic. You want to talk about accountability? Uh, when's the last time an alderman went to prison? I can guarantee you they go to jail on a much higher rate than we do. They should start looking in the mirror when they talk about accountability and holding themselves accountable more than worrying about the police department. You know, I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but if memory serves me correct, especially specific to the Black Caucus, I think there's been three black aldermen that have gone to prison in the last 20 years, and there's only 50 of them. We have over 13, almost 13,000 members, roughly, and you can't say the same. So, again... I go back to my original opening statement. People should start looking in the mirror before they start throwing stones at glass houses. You were complimentary of the mayor's appointment of former police, Dallas Police Chief David Brown. Have you met with him yet? And what? how did that go? I did. I met with him. You know, he made a very concerted effort to reach out to me, which I thought was a pretty class act uh, the day after my election. He I had several people contacting me to ask if it was okay to, to give out my phone number to them. And of course I said, yes, but we had a meeting on Thursday. Uh, so what would be day six that I was in office and it was an extremely cordial conversation. I found him very direct, uh, sincere in his beliefs and what he wanted to do. I didn't get the sense that he was trying to Buffalo me in any sense of the word, but again, We'll see where it goes from there. You know, we have a very simple agreement. If I have a problem, I'm going to bring it to him first before I bring it to the media and vice versa. So we can try and solve problems before they become obviously public domain stuff. But again, I think I'm hopeful. That's all I can say is I'm very hopeful that an outsider, that the mayor clearly went around the police board process and was clearly involved in the process of the final three candidates, which is not how the process is supposed to go. The police board is supposed to present those three people to her. But again, you know, she didn't like when Mayor Rahm went around her and basically hired Eddie Johnson outside of the parameters of the city ordinance and what the police do. But here she was doing the exact same thing years later. So it just kind of highlights the reoccurring hypocrisy. But again, I was a very big fan of Chief Brown for a long time when he was in Dallas. 
uh, I, I kind of know a little personal back information about him that I looked into back in the day. And I think it goes to speak to the character of the man. So I really hope that she gives him the autonomy he needs to try and form the police department the way he wants to form it. And with our cooperation and input, and hopefully we can get this thing turned around for all the citizens and my members. Brown has said that he's considering bringing back a citywide unit to tamp down violent crime. This is kind of like skinny ties and fat ties. They're in, they're out. We've seen these units come and go over the years. We have we haven't had one since uh, 2011 because these units tend to get too aggressive and they were hit by corruption scandals. What do you think of this idea? What'd you tell him about that? Well, you know, contractually, our limitations are very clear as far as trying to prevent the superintendent or the department from doing certain things they want to do, including, you know, creating these units. I understand the thought process behind it, but like you highlighted, there's been obviously very uh, repetitive failures about these units' effectiveness in what they're trying to do. I don't know how you reinvent that wheel, but that's something he wants to give it a shot. Uh, he basically explained to me that he had a very big love for patrol. And that's pretty much where the beat and the bread and butter of his mindset is at, is in patrol, 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 not necessarily specialized units. Even though I know it's, I guess, going to be designed as a specialized unit, it will be basically a specialized uh, patrol unit that's going to be citywide and kind of go to roving hotspots, but they will be blue and whites from what I understand. They will be uniformed officers because that's what he believes the people need to see. So I guess but we'll see how it But you think it's a mistake? You think it's a mistake? I, I wouldn't say it's a mistake. I, I, I guess I, I, I'm holding my breath. You know, I, I hope it works because obviously, like I said in the beginning, you know, I don't think anybody doesn't want to see the homicide number plummet to record lows. Um, but I'm also realistic that the, a lot of these things have been tried in various forms in the past unsuccessfully. So I don't know how it's going to change now, but you know, the world evolves every 10 or 15 years anyway. So hopefully the difference between then and now will help make a difference in this uh, program going forward. Now, Interim Superintendent Charlie Beck eliminated merit promotions denounced for years and in the Justice Department report on the police department as riddled with politics. Brown has promised to find another way to diversify the supervisory ranks. He said that other cities have done it. So can Chicago. What do you think? I think any attempt to diversify intentionally is wrong. If we're going to have a fair and even system, then it just has to be the system is a scoring system, and it just is what it is. To say that a certain category should be given better consideration simply because of their race or their, minor, their minority race, it doesn't make any sense. Again, it's more hypocrisy. How are we trying to say that we need to treat everybody the same and the mayor is one of the biggest champions of this, whether it's the LBGTQ community, whether it's the African community, the African-American community, the Hispanic community. 
everybody needs to be treated the same. But now you're coming to the police department and saying we're not treating everybody the same. We're going to give special privilege to certain people to try and increase numbers within the police department. It just doesn't make sense. Right, but we need to diversify the supervisors, right? Well, to, then, to build then do trust better with the community. I, that, then if, if, and obviously to, to get promoted, they're starting as Lodge 7 members when they're obviously applying for these promotions, whether it's detective or sergeant. If that's the case, then work with us in, in formulating better study groups. So these groups that they feel are not represented fairly in, in the upper ranks have a better shot at passing the test and getting the same score. Everybody gets the same test. If they're not testing well, it doesn't make, it's just wrong. We're not going to be for merit in any way, shape or form. You know, I, I know, I understand the desire. I, trust me because, you know, our goal is to diversify Lodge 7. Lodge 7 has historically been a white entity. There's no, it's not a secret. It, there's no bones about it. You know, the membership, Obviously, be, being a part of the membership is one thing. Being an involved member is totally different. And the minorities, the African-American officers have historically stayed away from getting involved in lodge politics. And I can tell you, on the campaign trail, we made that a very big point that we want to get women involved in Lodge 7 business and African-American officers because they have historically been left out. Uh, it just it needs to change. So I get that. But that's a different way of doing it. We're not basically slanting the game toward one person or another. We're creating opportunities. The department needs to create the opportunities and not, you know, slant the, the results or, or have a bell curve. It just is not going to happen under my watch, I, I, if I can help it. The mayor has ordered a crackdown on police overtime. David Brown is obliged in one of his first acts as superintendent by requiring all overtime to be approved by deputy chiefs and above is that practical uh again i get i get the overriding concern i just don't see that being a practical solution uh seems to me <laughs> the deputy chiefs are going to be pretty busy going forward over the next you know the mayor the mayor the, the superintendent and the city in general has been pretty fortunate that mother nature has been uh, asleep for the better part of the last month as far as weather is concerned. But sooner or later, the weather's going to warm up. Sooner or later, we're going to be back to the same old, same old, be it stay-at-home order or not. There's just going to be masses of people everywhere. There's going to be shootings, and there's going to be conflicts. So, again, let's see how this pans out once the weather warms up. And I think overtime will definitely be something that's going to be needed I don't see everybody calling the deputy chief specifically for an overtime approval. I think that policy is going to end up getting tweaked somehow. But again, why? Why is it impractical? Because there's going to be more and more needs and demands for overtime. I could tell you it's impractical in this very sense that you have a detective who's working a homicide case now or even a robbery where he isn't a death. Now, are you going to sit there and tell him you have to notify the deputy chief to get approval to stay here because your tour is up in a half an hour or stop everything you're doing, come back and pick up the ball in 15, 16 hours when you get back here the next time? 
because these are going to be reoccurring themes going forward. Again, if we're talking about clearance rates and solving these crimes and getting people off the street, uh, over time, I understand that it's a concern, but if that's the problem, then they start, they should need to hire more police officers. Then I guess 13,000 isn't enough. You can't have it both ways where you say that we have enough manpower, but then we have to limit overtime because clearly there wouldn't be a need for overtime if there was enough manpower. What about the surge strategy, the robbing from Peter to pay Paul, taking police officers for two hours at a time out of areas on the northwest side and putting them on the south and west sides? What do you think of that? Well, that, that was discussed with Superintendent Brown, and I, I told him, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that uh, isn't a long term strategy. He agreed. And, you know, I think it was just a knee jerk reaction. We get some results. So you think he's going to he change did. it? Well, I don't think he's going to need to change it. If he creates the unit he wants to create, he's going to have the manpower he needs to go forward. Um, he kind of already did. There was a change where, you know, people were taken out of a specialized unit and deployed evenly, from what I understand, across the five uh, police areas just to kind of supplement those manpowers there. And that's above and beyond separate from the unit that he wants to create as a swarming kind of unit across the city. So again, I think it was more of a stopgap measure for the immediate weekend. He kind of led me to believe that it wasn't going to be a regular occurrence. And I, I don't think the aldermen are going to be very receptive to that being a long-term solution either. So civilian police review, the mayor is under pressure to deliver it. What do you think? I think we have plenty of review as it is and being, you know, as you highlighted, one of the highly disciplined officers on this job, there is more than enough discipline channels to create a whole nother entity is just going to muck up the whole process even more, you know, in a way it's, it's partially good for us. I think in a very narrow way that the more the, the system gets mucked up, the longer it gets dragged out. So it's good for my members. We, we have more, obviously, channels of uh, challenging discipline decisions going forward. But that gives civilians the ability to determine public policy or police policy, I should say, is pretty, pretty bad. I just we already don't like COPA. You know, there's court case coming up this summer about COPA being the lead investigators for homicides and police shootings where they're not certified homicide investigators, but yet they conduct the investigation as if they are in violation of state law. And this has been reoccurringly going on for several years now when they're not supposed to be doing the investigation. But, you know, the mayor created this new revamped COPA and gave them authority that she didn't have the authority to give and nor did they have the authority to enact, but they've been doing it. So, again, a lot of this is knee-jerk reaction to squeaky wheels within, you know, public society of certain people calling for this, that, or the other thing. GAPA was formed on a mere 50,000 signatures. Think about that. In a city of over 3 million residents, roughly, they only got 50,000 signatures to get the ball rolling for their ordinance to become a reality. I don't really think that that's representative of the demographics of the city of Chicago. So hopefully, and be, you know, we can. Before go we go, John, uh, uh, 
you have been one of the leading critics of the consent decree, and yet David Brown says that's a minimum standard, and he wants to exceed it. Well, I could tell you, the consent decree, and specifically Judge Dow, has time and time again told the city and the lodge that he will not violate any uh, article of the consent decree that violates our collective bargaining rights. So I think the city initially thought that winning and getting this consent decree put in place was going to be a great thing. But now they're kind of realizing when it comes to contractual issues, a lot of the changes they want to make within the police department have to come across my desk. So they, they no longer have the ability to just hammer stuff out and say, this is the way it's going to be. They're going to have to negotiate a lot of these things in some way, shape or form. It's not going to be as black and white as what the consent decree calls for. And, uh, some things that are that black and white are going to absolutely—they're going to come with a very high price uh, when it comes to contractual gains for my members going forward. It's a new day at the FOP, that's for sure. John Catanzara, good luck to you, and uh, good luck forging your relationship with Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Thank you, Fran. Have a good day. You too, and we'll see you all next week. <laughs>